One Sabbath, he, he being Jesus, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you ever read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered into the house of God in a time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Son of Man is the Lord of the, of, even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man with a withered hand, uh, and there was a man with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with a withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. All right. Yes, the Sabbath. Sabbath is um, a word um, meaning day of rest, right? And traditionally, for, for no exaggeration, for thousands upon thousands of years, um, our world has revolved around a seven-day week, six days of work, one day of rest. Um, and for so long, the, the Jewish people, the people of Israel, right, re- recognized Saturday as this day of rest. rest. It was a day that was set apart and holy. And then as uh, Christ comes along and the church is birthed out of that, and so Christians in Acts take this day and they move it for them. They move it to Sunday, the Lord's Day. And so Sabbath for Christians has been on Sunday. And so now today in our modern context in the West, we get not one day, we get two days. So thanks to our Jewish friends and our Christian friends, we get a whole weekend of, of Sabbath. And so we work for five days. We have a weekend off and Depending on your, on your, on your faith uh, background, one of those days is your Sabbath day, your Sabbath day. Now, if we're just honest right out of the gate, um, for most of us in this room, the weekend is far busier than the weekday, right? Like your Saturday, Sunday is far more full, far more busy than your Tuesday and your Thursday. That's just the reality of, of life for many, many, many of us. Like our, our weekends are jam-packed with things we've got to get done around the house, yard work and chores and laundry and cooking and cleaning and all the things that didn't get done during the week but because you're running your kids from this thing to that thing to that thing to this thing. And then your, your weekend is also filled with that, right? You took, you're carting your kid from this sporting event to that sporting event to this sporting event, right? The week is for practice and the weekend is for all your games. Like, and you know what I'm talking about. It is so full, right? We got to get our shopping done, right? The weekend is for shopping. If you've never been to Costco on Saturday, my, it's violence. It is, there's there's nothing Sabbath about it. There are grown men in this room who have fought in wars and like, I ain't going to Costco on Saturday. You know, they're crazy. Like, there's no, no way am I going in there. It's a scary place. 
There's nothing Sabbath about our weekends in the West. There's nothing Sabbath about Saturdays. There's nothing Sabbath about Sundays. There is, it's just not. And we live in Utah, right, where things are actually still closed on Sundays. And what do we do? Let's complain about it. Chick-fil-A is closed. I hear it all the time. You know who you are. It's all of you, including myself. We're not good at this. I'm not good at this. But just admit it. And even for those of us who do attempt the Sabbath, like we're like, oh, okay, you know, we need a Sabbath. Like it's in the Bible. We're supposed to do it. Let's do it. Right? It's like, okay, what are we going to do? I don't know. Put my kid in front of Netflix and go take a nap. Sabbath. Okay, listen to me. <laughs> listen to me. You can nap on Sabbath. That's allowed. But a nap is not a Sabbath. All right? We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Uh, but that's not how it works. And given all of that, given how busy we are, what is the thing that we want? What is the thing we long for? Right? Given how busy we are and how much, how much we're stretched so thin, what is the thing that we, if we could have it, what would we ask for? More time. Right? That's, it, that's it what it is. We want more time. If I just have more time in my day, every week, uh, Benger, who's our executive pastor, he's like, man, is there anything I can do for you this week? And that's always like one of two things. I'm like, can you write my sermon for me? Uh, he's like, no. Uh, can, hey, could you add extra days to my week? Now, could you do that? Could you give me one more day, a few more hours in my day maybe? Right? And neither one has he ever done for me. I don't understand it. Um, we want more time. I need more time in my day. I need more days in my week. I need more weeks in my month. We want more time. But friends, I want you to hear right out of the gate this morning, this is not the solution to your problem. It's not the solution to your problem. More time will not solve your busyness. John Mark Comer, as a pastor in uh, Portland, he wrote a book. He's written a number of books, but he wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. If you've been around Flourishing Grace, I've pushed this on you a hundred times. I think we should read it every single year as a church. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And in it, he says this. He says, the solution to an over-busy life is not more time. It is not what you need. I know it's what you want, but it's not going to solve it. It's to slow down and to simplify our lives around what really matters. The solution is not more, it's less. To slow down and to simplify our lives around what really matters. There's a word for that. It's called Sabbath. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Uh, Corey Tinboom said it this way. She said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And it's true. It's absolutely true. Just look at our culture. Look at society. Look at where we are as a people, right? It, you, so we think we're good. But I'm not sinning. I'm not sinning. I'm not sinning. And yet we're so disconnected from God. We're so disconnected. We have no relationship with Jesus. There's no flourishing in our life. We are withering away. We are tired and we are weary. And yet we're doing all the right things. We're in church. You're here, right? I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm going to church. I'm doing all the right things. And yet, man, we're just not connected with Jesus, because if the devil can't make you sin, he's going to make you busy. There is a solution to all of this, though. There's a solution to our hurried lives. There's a solution to our craziness. There's a solution to all of this. The God of all things, the, the one who has designed and shaped you, built a solution into his creation for thousands and thousands of years that has been called Sabbath. Sabbath. The first thing I want you to see this morning, before we get into the text, before we even dive into the text, I mean, we got to do some work. Because for many of us in the room, uh, this is a foreign idea. 
Like, we, if, we, if we're honest, like we've heard of Sabbath, we roughly know what it is, but we really don't know anything about it. We just don't, because that's just our culture. That's where we are. And so I want to kind of define it for us a little bit this morning. The first thing I want you to see is this. Sabbath is a loving gift from God baked into His design. Sabbath is a loving gift from God baked into His design. It literally means day of rest. That's what Sabbath means. It is a day of rest. And it's a gift from God. It's baked into His design. Sabbath is so important to your soul, to the health of your soul, and to your relationship with God that He created a law around it. In the Ten Commandments, God says, this is a critical Peace. And so one of the 10 most important things is Sabbath. One of the 10 most important things in, in your life, in the flourishing of humanity, in the flourishing of God's creation, one of the top 10 most important things is Sabbath. God creates a law around it. This comes in Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11. It reads this way. It'll be put on the screen. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Maybe it won't be on the screen. Do I not have that? I'm an idiot. All right, it won't be on the screen. Just listen. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember it and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a day of rest to you, the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. What's the rule? Not do any work. It's important. We're going to come back to that. You or your son or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or your sojourner who is with you at your gates for six days, right? So God knows, okay? He knows you. He knows me, right? Okay, you told me not to do any work. I'm just going to have my kids go rake the leaves while I sit inside and drink a beer and watch the game and Sabbath, right? He knows you. He says, no, no, no. This is for everybody in your life. Male servants, female servants, for your employees, for your kids, for your spouse, for your family. This is for everybody. There's no get out of jail free card on this. It goes on to say in verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is within them, and then rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath, the day of rest, and made it holy. Made it holy, set apart. It's unlike all of the other days. It is a day of rest. He has baked it into the design. God has created you and he's created me to be a people who create, to be a people who work, to be a people who, who build and form uh, things in our culture, who work for the good of our culture. So you go to work or you work at home with your kids, right? We're constantly, we are a people of work and we crave it and we need it. But yet we are also people who need a day of rest. It is baked, is a gift from God baked into the design. You need it. You cannot live without it. This has been proven, actually. It's been proven. You can't live without it. Uh, in the 1700s, during the French Revolution, uh, the French tried to get rid of the Sabbath. Uh, this was actually an intentional thing. They said, man, listen, we, we can create. They tried to, The French Revolution was really about uh, creating two things, getting rid of religion. Religion is dumb, and we don't want it. We don't want faith. We don't want any of the church. We don't want any of that. And we want more industry. Industry and science is what's going to move the world forward and religion is going to hold it back. And so what they did was they created a whole new calendar and a whole new time frame. Like they changed the, the length of a second and a minute 
in an hour. They had to make all new clocks. Uh, watchmakers had to adjust all of the watches in France to try to make this thing work. And the calendar was a 10-day week instead of a 7-day week. And so you would work for 10 day, or you'd work for 9 days and you would rest on the 10th day. Right? And so it was like, we're going to get more production out of people and this is going to disrupt the Christian week. It's going to disrupt the Sabbath. This was actually an, it was actually an intent was to get rid of the Sabbath. Um, to get rid of church, they get rid of all of the Christian holidays. No more Christmas. In fact, Christmas was replaced with Isaac Newton's birthday. Isaac Newton was now, the, was now Santa Claus. Um, I don't know how it works, but that's what they did. They replaced Christmas with Isaac Newton's birthday. And, and here's the thing. We know this. It didn't work. If you go to France today, it's a seven-day work week. Or, or sorry, a six-day work week uh, and a seventh day of rest. The calendars are the same as ours. It didn't work. And in fact, all the people who created that were killed by Napoleon Bonaparte. He's like, you guys are so dumb, I'm going to kill you all. Um, these are like the smartest men in France. But he, he killed them. It doesn't work. The people said, I can't work for nine days in a row. It doesn't work. And in fact, since then, study after study after study after study after study has been done on this. And what we found is humans have the capacity, their highest productivity in a work week is about 50 to 55 hours, which, friends, is six days. Six days of work. And after 50 hours, it drops, your productivity drops drastically. Even those of you who are type A and you're like, I can work, I can work 70 hours. They've tested this. And the truth is, is yes, you can, but you're not as good. You're not as good. For the person who works 50 hours is far more productive or is equally as productive over the long haul as the person who works 70. Because you are designed, it's baked into the design to be a person who works about 50 hours a week and then has one day of rest. And the person who takes that day and actually rests is as productive or more productive than the person who doesn't. This has been proved again and again and again and again. We are a people designed. It's a gift from God. It's a loving gift to be kept, to be set apart from all the other days and enjoyed in a very intentional way. This is what Sabbath is. It's a day, a singular day of rest that is to be unlike all of the other days in your week. And if we're honest, we don't have that. You don't, okay? There is not a day in your week that is intentionally unlike all of the other days in your week, okay? And so we just need to acknowledge that and realize that we are a people who actually need it. We don't have it, and therefore we are just overloaded and tired and weary and rushing and moving and going because we don't have it. It's a gift from God. It's baked into the design. We'll talk more about what it looks like to intentionally implement this in a bit, but we got to get into our text for this morning. So here's what happens in our text for this morning. So this is Mark chapter 2, verse 23. One Sabbath, so this is on Saturday, right? For, for Jesus in first century Israel, right? Sabbath would have been on Saturday. Uh, one Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, hang on a second. Did earlier... Or earlier, when, when we read from Exodus 20, when we read the, the law, was there anything in there about eating grain? Not a true question. No. Was there anything in there about plucking the heads of grain? 
No. What's the law? You're not supposed to what? Work, right? Is eating work? Maybe it is. Uh, no, there's, there's eating. But the Pharisees are saying, wait, why are they doing what is not lawful? What's going on here? What's happening, right? We've got to set a little bit of a context. So for the Pharisees, for um, the, the Jewish scholars of the day, so these are Pharisees, scribes, rabbis, um, what they would do uh, kind of notoriously is they would take those Ten Commandments, they would take the Law of Moses, and they would sit down and they would say, man, I don't want to get anywhere near breaking that law. I don't want to get anywhere near it. I don't want to get anywhere near breaking the Sabbath. The Sabbath is critical. In fact, the punishment for breaking the Sabbath was death. They're like, I don't want that, okay? I don't want to get anywhere near breaking the Sabbath. And so what they would do is they, they would talk and they would talk and they would talk and they would talk and, say, and analyze the law uh, to the greatest extent possible. And with the Sabbath in particular, so you have one singular law, one out of ten, the Sabbath, okay? They devise 39 categories around the Sabbath, answering the question, what is work? What is work? There's 39 different types of work that they came up with. And in those 39 different categories, there are hundreds of kind of micro rules that they created around each one of those 39 categories. So for an example is, what is work? One of those 39 categories is to carry a burden, which makes sense, right? It, that could be a, a form of work, right? If you haul things around all day long, you, you're carrying grain or you're carrying whatever it is, like to, to carry a burden, that's work. Well, now the question is, what is a burden? And so they create hundreds of answers around what is a burden. I'm going to give you some examples. So this comes from William Barclay, uh, his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew. But he says this, the scribal law lays it down that a burden is, listen, food equal in weight to a dried fig. So if you are carrying food heavier than a dried fig, you are in violation, according to scribal law, not Mosaic law, you're in violation of the Sabbath. Enough wine for mixing in a goblet. So you can have one glass of wine, but you can't double fist it, okay? You can't have two. All right, that's against the rules. You can't carry the bottle. I don't know how you get the wine from the bottle into the, you had to pour the glass the night before, okay? You, you, you have one glass of wine. That's as much as you can carry on a Sabbath. Milk enough for one swallow. Honey enough to put on a wound. Oil enough to anoint a small member. Water enough to moisten an eye salve, whatever that means. Uh, paper enough to write a customs house notice upon. Ink enough to write two letters of the alphabet. Read enough to make a pen. And so on endlessly. If you carry more than these things, according to scribal law, you are in violation of breaking the Sabbath. So they spent endless hours arguing whether a man could or could not lift a lamp from one piece, from one place to another on the Sabbath. Whether a tailor committed a sin if he went out with a needle in his robe. Whether a woman might wear a brooch or false hair. Even if a man might go out on the Sabbath with artificial teeth, or an artificial limb? Is he carrying a burden if he's got his fake teeth in? If a man might lift his child on the Sabbath, these things to them were the essence of religion. Their religion was a legalism of petty rules and regulations. So, now that we have some context, I want you to realize this. 
These are the men who are asking Jesus. These are the men, the men who sit around for hours coming up with all these micro rules. The men who sit around for hours debating what is work, what work is a burden, what is a burden. They sit around for hours discussing these things and wrestling through these things and debating these things. These are the men asking Jesus the question, why are your disciples doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Why are they doing this? The second thing I want you to see this morning is this. Sabbath is a loving gift from God to be enjoyed, not a chore to be completed. Let me say that again. Sabbath is a loving gift of God to be enjoyed, not a chore to be completed. Sabbath is a loving gift of God to be enjoyed, but religion turns it into a chore to be completed. Right? The idea of, of t- taking grain from, from, from uh, as you're walking through the field and popping it in your mouth, right? That's against the scribal law. It's not against the Mosaic law. And these Pharisees have kind of created this whole thing. But does Jesus argue that? Does Jesus say, well, I don't think it's against the Mosaic law. Like you've created this thing. And so let's sit around and, and debate for hours what is work and what is burden. Let's, no, no, he doesn't even engage in it. He doesn't answer their question. He takes them into the, to the Bible and he says, hang on, hold on. Have you heard the story? which of course they have. Have you heard the story about King David? This comes from 1 Samuel. Uh, have you heard the story of King, of King David, 1 Samuel 21, where he enters into the temple, which, which he's not supposed to do, okay? Um, and, he, and he takes the bread of the presence, which is absolutely not okay. It's not okay. And he eats it, which is even more not okay. And he gives it to his men, which is even more not okay. The bread of the presence was God's bread. It was set aside for God. And the only one who could eat that bread was the high priest. And when he took it, when he removed it, he replaced it with a hot, fresh loaf of bread. It was God's bread. And only the most holy man was allowed to consume it after it had been cooled and was sitting there for a long time. But David goes in and he's hungry and his men are hungry. And they've been going hard. And they're starving. So they take the bread. Now, these Pharisees in Jesus' day, kind of first century Israel, would have revered David as a holy and divine king, anointed by God who could really do no wrong. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's, kind of, he's trying to open their eyes to see something. He says, okay, so in your eyes, David did no, no wrong because he's holy and divine. He's the king that God has given the people. Do you know who I am? He goes on to say that he's the Lord even of the Sabbath and that his men who are with him are just plucking grain heads. They're, they're not going to the temple and eating the bread of the presence. They're just eating some grain in the field. You're missing it. You don't understand that this is a gift that's been given to you by the hands of God. And not only that, the gift of God is right in front of you. I'm right here with you. The divine king who has come, the Messiah, the Savior King is right in front of you. Not only has their empty religion blinded them from seeing the loving kindness of God and the gift of the Sabbath, it has blinded them from being able to see the loving kindness of God right in front of them. Jesus is standing right there in the fresh flesh, the Lord of the Sabbath, and they're treating him worse than David. Jesus goes on to say this. He said to them, The Sabbath was not made for man. Sorry, the Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man, not made for not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the greater king, greater than David. I'm the maker and the owner, the rule giver for the Sabbath. It's mine. And I made it for you because I love you. 
Sabbath is a loving gift of God to be enjoyed, not a chore to be completed. It was made for you. You were not made for it. Now, some of us in this room grew up in a religion that was very, very much all about the Sabbath. The Sabbath, as a, as a young child, the Sabbath was kind of forced upon you. You do not have good memories of the Sabbath. Sabbath, when you, the moment we began talking about it, kind of in your mind, all these like flooding memories of childhood came back in. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to talk about this, right? It was the day of the week that you were not allowed to go outside and play with your friends. It was the day of the week that you were not allowed to watch TV. It was the day of the week that you were not allowed to play video games. It was the day of the week that you were set apart and you weren't allowed to do anything fun. And when you think about Sabbath, that's what you think about. And friends, I just want to challenge you, if that's you this morning, if that's, if that's true of you, I want you to crinkle that memory up and throw it away because Sabbath is a loving gift that's meant to be enjoyed and religion removes all the joy from Sabbath. Now, some of you aren't that. You grew up in a house, maybe you were still, maybe your parents were religious, but you didn't practice Sabbath. All right. The weekend for you was uh, then go out and play for as late as you want, go wherever you want until mom calls you home, until the sun goes down. Like that was the weekend. You're like, party. Like that's, the, that's what the weekends are for, watching football and eating big meals and just playing with friends. But you know, Susie down the street, her parents never let her go out because it was Sabbath. And even still, in your mind, Sabbath is this thing that's linked to religion. It's this, it's this kind of killjoy. It's this thing that, I mean, it, it confines you and constricts you. And this is what the Pharisees are pushing. It's this idea that Sabbath is, is something that removes our joy. It's not a gift of joy. It is meant to be enjoyed. And I want you to crinkle up that idea and throw it away because that is not what Sabbath is. And if at Flourishing Grace, that's the view we have of Sabbath, we will never be a healthy people and we'll never be a truly healthy church. Sabbath is a gift to be enjoyed. The reason the Sabbath exists is so that we might live in a way that God intended for us to live, that we might be a people of flourishing, not a people of bondage. Sabbath is a gift made for you. You were not made for it. I love how um, in our path groups uh, here at Flourishing Grace, uh, we have these path groups. There's these small, small little groups of uh, three to four men or three to four women uh, that do intentional, deep discipleship every week together. And so they're pressing into each other's lives. Uh, it's a time of confession, a time of the word, wrestling through questions, kind of helping them walk the path of Jesus, right? We don't want to walk the path of the world. We don't want to walk the path of religion. We want to walk the path of Jesus. And so these groups are designed to help us do that. We'll be launching new ones in January. Um, and all of our groups right now and all of our new groups are going to read the book called The Common Rule. The Common Rule is written by a guy named Justin Early, and in it he has a chapter on Sabbath. And I love his description of kind of his ideal Sabbath. Now, this is before he had kids, just to be fair, okay? But his ideal Sabbath goes like this. An ideal Sabbath looked like this. Sleep in. Now, remember, this is Sunday. Sleep in. Worship. We go to church. Long lunch with friends. Go home. Rest. Maybe take a nap. Maybe make love. All the men in the room are like, Sabbath sounds good now. <laughs> I wasn't really into it before, but now I'm kind of into that. Uh, maybe make love. Go out and explore some part of the city we hadn't been to yet. Or go for a walk in a park. Bring a book that is pure pleasure reading. What all these things have in common is not as what is what not they but what all these things have in common 
is that they involved not doing, but rather they involved doing worshipful things. Worship of engaging activities, right? They involved doing worshipful and engaging activities. They were things that drew us closer to God and others. The rest I needed was not more sleep, but it was the rest that comes from unfolding in good friendships or setting still in God's creation. Friends, does that sound like a chore? Does it sound like bondage? This is not fun. I don't want to do this. No, that sounds like the perfect day. I'm in. Like I am all in. And I think it's important for us to realize and to kind of awaken to what the Sabbath is meant to be. It's a day of worship and enjoying God's creation. Enjoying the friendships and the relationships that he's given us. Enjoying the life that he's given us. It's doing restful and worshipful things. It's not not doing things. Sabbath is not about just sitting around and doing nothing all day, putting the kids in front of Netflix and taking a nap. It's not Sabbath. Now, you might take a nap on Sabbath, but Sabbath is about doing things that give you rest. We'll talk more about that in a bit. But it's not a chore. It's not a chore. It's planned. It's thought through. It's worshipful. It's a gift to be enjoyed. The Pharisees had turned Sabbath into a day of bondage and oppression. Jesus makes it clear that Sabbath has been and is still today a gift from God and should be a day of rest and growth and delight and joy. Now, we move into the second story. Now, remember, Mark doesn't write chronologically. He's not concerned with chronological order. He's writing these stories and he's kind of putting them together so that we can kind of walk through a theme together, the theme of Sabbath. And so here's another Sabbath story, starting in chapter 3, verse 1, which we read earlier, where Jesus enters the synagogue on the Sabbath, and there's a man there with a withered hand. And all of the Pharisees now are watching Jesus. Are they watching to see a miracle take place? No, couldn't care less. They're watching to see if Jesus is going to heal work on the Sabbath. Is he going to work on the Sabbath by healing the man's hand? Is that what he's going to do? And then this time, instead of the Pharisees being the ones to ask the questions, Jesus asked the question. Here's what he asked. He says this, as he sees them kind of all leaning in, watching, waiting for to see if he's going to do it. He says, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? It says this, but they were silence. They're silent. They don't say a thing. Think about it for a second. Think about it for a second. These are the men who loved to sit around at nauseam and answer questions and wrestle through questions and debate questions just like this one. They don't say a word. Why? Because they don't give a rip about the Sabbath. They don't, they do not care. They absolutely do not care. For them, it's a merit badge to be earned not a gift to be received. And what they want in this moment is to, is to show everybody, I have the merit badge and Jesus doesn't. So they sit there and they're quiet and they're like, please heal the man, please heal the man, please heal the man. Not because they give a rip about the guy. They just want to show everybody that they're better than Jesus because they got the merit badge called Sabbath badge, right? They got a little Boy Scout sash and they got the Sabbath badge on it. That's all it is to them. And this infuriates Jesus. It says, and he looked around at them with anger. He's angry. Jesus is genuinely furious. He's grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. 
And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. So how does Jesus, in this moment of, oh, I can't believe I'm selfish and stupid. What does he do in this moment of frustration? Does he lash out at them, scream? No. He heals the man's hand. In this moment of anger, Jesus demonstrates his love. And he demonstrates what Sabbath is really all about. This is the last thing I want you to see this morning. Sabbath is a loving gift of God for your healing. Sabbath is a loving gift of God for your healing. So Sabbath is a loving gift of God. It's a loving gift of God baked into the design. It's a loving gift of God that is meant to be enjoyed. It's a loving gift of God for your healing. We are a sick people, whether you realize it or not. You and I, we have a disease, and we can't get out of it. There's no cure. You're never going to find it. John Mark Comer in that book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, put it this way. He said, ultimately, nothing in this life apart from God can satisfy our desires. We are an unsatisfied people. Tragically, we continue to chase after our desires at infinium. The result a chaotic state of restlessness, or worst, angst, anger, anxiety, disillusionment, depression, all of which lead to a life of hurry, a life of busyness, overload, shopping, materialism, careerism, a life of more, which in turn makes us even more restless. The cycle spirals out of control. And it is for so many of us in this room. We are people living out of control. We are people living racked by anxiety and depression. Um, we are people who are constantly anxious because Monday's coming. Anxious because the, the weekend's coming. We are, this, is, this is how we view it. We're anxious people. We have no idea that we are people who are withering away. Trying to get more. We just need more. Just need more. Just need more. Just need more. All the while, we are the ones withering away. And Jesus says, stretch out your hand and take the Sabbath. It is a free gift of God for your healing. Sabbath is a gift that stops this cycle and reminds us of the only real source of salvation and healing, Jesus. It reminds us of him. Sabbath reminds us that he's all we need. I love how Paul puts it in Colossians 2, 16 through 17. Paul says this. He says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regards of festivals or the new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Sabbath points us to Christ. He is the substance. Jesus has purchased our rest. He is our rest. We are now free. We are free people. Because of Jesus' completed work on the cross, when Jesus breathes his last, he says, it is finished. There's no more work. There's nothing, there's nothing more to earn. There's nothing more to gain. There's no more, there's no more status. There's no more money. There's nothing more that's going to bolster your identity. It is finished in him. It's completed in him. There's nothing more for you to gain. There's no, more, there's no more forgiveness. He is the rock that we can build our life upon. And because we've built our life upon the rock, we can rest. 
He, he is our rest. Jesus is our rest. And for those of you who are in Christ, you should know this by now. For those of you who don't know Jesus, for those of you who haven't given your life to him, listen, everything, all of the anxiety and all the desires of the human heart find their end in Jesus He is what our hearts are most hungry for. He is what our lives are most thirsty for. He is the rest we are seeking. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. This is our Savior. It is who he is. And so when we take Sabbath, we are declaring, when we practice Sabbath, we are declaring that there is no more work to do because Jesus has done it for us. Now, the reality is, listen to me, for those of you who are listening to this and you're like, man, I'm in, I want it, I want it, I want it. You're going to begin to do this and you're going to quickly realize, oh my goodness, I can't get it all done. Like six weeks, six days a week is not enough. And that's a good thing because what, we, what I said at the beginning is also true. Seven days isn't enough either. You're never going to get it all done. You can't get it all done. And to believe you can is to believe a lie. And to live as though you can. To live. And if I just had a little more time, if I just could do it a little bit more, if I just was a little bit more productive, it's to live a lie. And so many of us in the room are living a lie. You can't get it all done. And so, as Christians, we rest in the one who can and who already has. So what Sabbath is. It's declaring the gospel over our lives as one day a week that's set apart as holy Again, Justin Early in The Common Rule puts it this way. He says, place habits or these practices, things like Sabbath, before love and you will be filled with legalism. But place love before habits and you will be filled with the gospel. God's love for us can really change the way we live. But the way we live will never change God's love for us. I want you to hear this. For those of you in the room, you're like, man, I can't, I can't, I can't slow down, I can't slow down, I can't slow down. I'm, just, I, I, I'm terrible at this. I'm not good at the Sabbath. I'm just not good. I'm just not good. I'm just not good. I'm just not good. Listen, your inability to Sabbath will never change God's love for you. It won't. But if you will allow it, if you will receive the gift of Sabbath and you'll open it up and you'll actually practice it, it will change you. God's love will change you. You will see the gospel in a new way. You'll live the gospel in a new way. Real Sabbath changes lives. It reminds us that we can't do it all, but we have a God who can and has. Sabbath reminds us that we have nothing to prove. Sabbath declares that we do not have to work because Jesus has done that for us. Our identity is secure in who we are as followers of Jesus. It is complete in his finished work on the cross. Does your life, does your weekend declare that? If I ask your kids, does your weekend declare that? If you ask my kids, they'd be like, I don't know what that means. Genuinely, I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't. For most of us in this room, the answer is simply no. My hope is that today, is kind of as we get to kind of we lift our heads out of the weeds of religion and we say, and we give a, a new grasp, a new vision of Sabbath. And we say, man, I want that. That looks good. Like, I'm in for that. That we would begin to say, okay, I want it. Now what do I do? What needs to change in my life? I'm going to quickly, we're out of time, so I'm just going to give you kind of four quick things. If you want to begin to implement Sabbath, here's four things for you. Real quick, okay? First is this. Create a plan. Right? You're just not going to, like, wake up on some Sunday morning and be like, you know what, today I'm going to intentionally practice Sabbath. It's never going to happen. 
Uh, you, you're not that good and neither am I, okay? You need a plan, right? What day are you going to do it? Some of you work on the weekends, right? Maybe there's a better day of the week. What day are you going to do it? What time are you going to do it, right? For those of you who have, some of you got kids, some of you are, are single, some of you are married. What time works best for your family, right? A lot of people say, man, I, I want from, from kind of sundown Saturday to sundown Sunday. is like a good time frame for this because it gives me all day Saturday to prepare. I can get the things done that need to get done or at least come close to getting the things done that need to get done in order for me to rest. And so sundown Saturday, Sabbath begins. Maybe it's a meal with friends or whatever. But Sabbath begins Saturday night and it goes until Sunday night and that gives me time to put the kids to bed and then I have a little bit of time to get ready for, for Monday. A little time to work, right? Because Sabbath has ended at sundown Sunday Night. Maybe that's what it works for you. Maybe it's not. What activities are you going to do? What's your plan? Right? Sabbath is not about not doing. It's about doing restful things. What gives you rest? I, I love uh, Rabbi Abraham uh, Heschel. He's kind of a more modern day rabbi. He's a rabbi uh, kind of in the 60s. Uh, he, said it, he said it this way. He said, a man who works with his mind should Sabbath with his hands. And a man who works with his hands should Sabbath with his, with his mind. This idea that if your job requires you to kind of sit at a desk and think, 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 and calculate, 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 or whatever, all day long, your Sabbath should look like a day of working with your hands, going on a hike, picking up hobbies, like hobbies that involve physical activity or working in some way with your hands or creating, building, painting, right? Whatever it may be. But if you're somebody who works with your hands all day, you're constantly laboring and laboring and laboring. You're working with your hands and you're building and crafting all day long, every day. Your Sabbath should be something that Sabbath in your mind. It's time of reading and reflecting and meditating. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a game of chess or what, whatever. Sabbath should, be, Sabbath should be in your mind. That's sitting still in silence and solitude. It's getting away and resting with your mind. What is your plan? What gives you rest? What day, what time, what activities are you going to engage in? Next, tell people. Engage with others. This is why path groups are great. Again, I'm selling path groups because they genuinely have, do you believe this will work if you do it with your path group? But maybe you're not in a path group. What does it look like to do with your, your family? Sabbath is so much easier and better in community. So you can kick off your Sabbath with a community meal on Saturday night or end it with a community meal on Sunday night. Filled with scripture and prayer and a time of kind of acknowledging and uh, inaugurating the Sabbath. In that book, uh, The Common Rule, Justin Early talks about uh, he's got boys now. And so on Saturday, on Saturday night, they light a candle as a family. They do this as a family. And then one of the boys gets to put the candle out. And it signifies as the candle goes out, the work is done. Sabbath has begun. All right, so they're, they're doing this together as a family. They're doing it in community. Next, real rest takes real work. We have to work at this. We, there's the work of preparation, right? We've got to be ready. Listen, if you, don't, if you don't spend your Friday night, your Saturday wisely getting ready for this, you're just going to be stressed out all day, wishing that you could do work, right? You're never going to rest. We must do the work of preparation. And then we need to do the work of resting, our souls need more than to do nothing. I've said this like 10 times, right? But do what makes, what gives you rest. Sabbath is not taking a nap, but you can take a nap on the Sabbath, okay? Do what gives you rest. And then lastly, make it holy. The day is a gift from God. It's a gift from God baked into the design, a gift of God to be enjoyed, 
a gift of God for your healing. It's a gift from God. It's to be enjoyed. So enjoy it fully and worship him all the more. How you end the Sabbath is as important as how you begin. End with family prayer or journaling prayer, declaring all the ways God gave you rest that day, thanking him for such a sweet, sweet gift. And it is a gift. That's what I want you to see this morning. The Sabbath is a gift. And it will change your life if you will open it and you will receive it. It's a free gift. There's nothing that you have to do to receive it. God wants you to have it. He wants you to take it and to use it for your good and for your joy, for your delight, and for his glory. Let us be a people of Sabbath. Let us be people of rest. Let us be people of healing. Let us be people of joy. Let us be people who live the design to which we were made. All right? Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, we come before you, and we just, we just confess, I confess, that this is not something that I have done a good job at. Most of us in this room would say the same thing. And it's to our detriment. It's to our detriment. And yet we acknowledge that you don't love us any less. But if we were to practice this, your love might change our entire lives. And so would you form us and would you shape us into a people who are disciplined enough to rest, who work hard enough at rest. Help us to see, to be a people who want to rest in you and find our rest in you and declare that you are our rest. Would we one day, every single week, say, you are far more than enough. Your completed work, is far more than enough. Would you give us more of yourself today? Would you help us to find our rest in you? I pray these things in your sweet name. In the name of Jesus, amen. Friends, why don't you guys go ahead and stand. We're gonna sing one last song together. Declare that in this place as we go.